2: Sports Yak Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders. Starting at $21 to $25 per hour. Located only 24 minutes from Goshen, 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit looktrailers.com. Look, Trailers is an equal opportunity employer.
3: Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports
4: Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports
1: Jack.
4: Welcome to episode 309 of the Sports Jack podcast. You mean the Edgar Martinez episode? Who? Edgar Martinez. He's a baseball hall of famer, terrific player with the Seattle Mariners in the 90s and the early 2000s. He is really the first full-time designated hitter to make the Baseball Hall of Fame. If you're an old-time Cubs fan, you may remember a player named Carmelo Martinez who came up with the Cubs, was, thought he was going to be a star, didn't pan out. His cousin is Edgar Martinez, and Edgar Martinez is one of the best right-handed hitters to ever play the game. Finished with a career batting average, I want to say of like 321. I know that he is only the third right handed batter in history with as many as seven consecutive seasons hitting over 300. And in his career, he spanked 309 home runs. So today, ladies and gentlemen, let's dedicate this episode of The Yak to One, Edgar Martinez.
5: Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents oh Sports Yak. Oh One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is good. It's, good. it's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get
3: your big butt out of here! And
5: Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Coming up later
2: in the podcast today, we'll catch up with former Notre Dame, former North Carolina basketball head coach Matt Doherty. He's got a brand new book out. We'll uh, have a conversation with him. But first, let's uh, talk about what's happening around our area.
4: Well, there's a local basketball star who's having a very good day today because Kaiser Gonderzek, who played her high school basketball at Benton Harbor High School, was Miss Basketball in the state of Michigan last night became the overall number four pick of the WNBA draft as she was selected in round one by the Indiana Fever. So the nice news there is she'll still be in an area where it's relatively close to home. She's only about, I don't know, three hours plus from Benton Harbor to go down to Banker's Life Fieldhouse and see her play. Dynamic player, her game really reminds me a lot of Skylar Diggins, and they are friends. Kaiser averaged 20 points and about 5 assists per game last year playing at West Virginia. Started her career at Michigan, transferred to West Virginia. Just a very very athletic player, Uh, has good speed, terrific jump shot. She once scored 72 points in a high school game (laughs) up at Benton Harbor. I think she averaged 40 per game her senior year. Didn't have a whole lot around her up at Benton Harbor, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how she does in the league with the fever. She is the kind of personality I think that could really draw a lot of fans uh, to Banker's Life Fieldhouse. She gets uh, a lot of the things that go around the marketing of the game.
2: You know, if uh, you were to pull her to the side and say, what was it back then? What was the secret sauce of all those points? I bet you she'd say Henry's
4: Hamburgers. That's right. Henry's Hamburgers. Up in the harbor? Yes. <laughs> or would it be the, uh, what was the drive in there right behind St. Joe High School by Dickinson Stadium? Roxy's. Oh,
1: Roxy's, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
4: My that goodness. no longer exists, though, right? It
2: doesn't. It's a yoga studio now.
4: Oh, come on Not now. to be
2: confused with the sandbar down the, the street. The sandbar owned by one Steve and Hilda Banyan. Ah. Back to you.
4: Anyway, <laughs> big night for Kaiser Gonderzik. Um it's a little sad that the NBA or WNBA draft, I should say, was overshadowed. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the video by now of the player from, I believe she played at UCLA, who was drafted by the New York Liberty. And her grandmother was in, shall we say, like African style clothing, uh, brightly colored African style clothing. And her grandmother was very happy that her granddaughter was drafted and was dancing all over the live shot (laughs) (laughs) while they were interviewing the player. That seemed to get most of the play on the morning shows today, but it was a good night for Kaiser Gondrzyk. Very happy for her.
2: Yeah, it uh, had a little bit of an Easter Sunday vibe to it. A lot of celebrating happening. Yes.
4: How about in the NBA? Bad news for the Bulls. Uh, Like they need more. Yeah. Uh, Zach Levine apparently has the COVID. They didn't come out and officially say that he has COVID. They just said that he has to enter the league's health and safety protocols. Well, you don't have to do that for knee injuries or shoulder injuries or anything. There's only one thing you have to do that for in the NBA this year, and that's the COVID. So, Zach Levine on the shelf for an indefinite number of games, could be several, and the Bulls haven't been playing well anyway. They have lost six in a row. So... Kind of surprised...
2: Zach hasn't been vaccinated, or we've heard of NBA players that they kind of took care of that whole group
4: of people. I am a little surprised as well, but I also know that there's a, a segment of the population out there who's very wary of the vaccine process yeah, and uh, doesn't necessarily think that it's the right way to go. So, and I respect those thoughts because, let's face it, that thing got passed through pretty quickly. So... Nevertheless, uh, whether he was vaccinated or not, Levine out for several games due to COVID. That does not exactly help the Bulls playoff chances. You know, I thought that deal that they made with Orlando for Nikola Vucevic was really going to be an impetus for the Bulls. And it might be next year, but right now they don't play any defense. That's the big problem for them. They're in action again tonight. Uh, The Pacers today have an afternoon game out at Utah. I'm curious as to what the explanation is for that, but they play at like 3 in the afternoon. Mm. What's the
2: time change on that bad boy?
4: It'd be 1 o'clock out there in Utah. Oh, okay. Mountain time. So maybe just like a a kid's day. I I don't know what the attendance policies are in Utah these days either, but maybe it's like a, a kid's day special. They're take field trips to the games i I don't know know. get them home quicker it it just seems odd to have a three in the afternoon on a friday that's not necessarily maybe it's a state holiday out in utah that i don't know about is utah very
2: mormon uh, yes maybe there's something attached to that oh they've played friday night games
4: for years out there no it's it's
2: i bet you it's a southwest airlines hey we can get you home cheaper if you get on the plane friday (laughs) afternoon than waiting till
4: Saturday. Well, I'm pretty sure they charter everywhere they go anyway, but whatever the case, uh, that's the story in the NBA. You want to hit baseball?
2: You want to hit a baseball? I'd love to hit a baseball, (laughs) and I'll tell you what,
4: Jose Ramirez hit one off of Lance Lynn yesterday, and the Cleveland Indians bounced back from being no hit the night before and beat the White Sox 4-2 to earn a split in that series. But let's go back to the night before, and Carlos Rodon who was magnificent in tossing the 20th no-hitter in White Sox history. He just had electric stuff. Corey, he's an example of one of those guys that I saw pitch in college. He pitched for North Carolina State. Okay. And he he had the reputation back then. He was going to be a first-round draft pick. Okay, so we're going to see him on a Friday night against Notre Dame, and he's got a tremendous slider. And Notre Dame got some hits off him. I, I think final score of the game that they lost him was like 4-2. They, they were competitive in the game, but you could tell he had big league stuff. It was no surprise when the White Sox took him in the first round. What was the surprise was that he struggled for most of the early part of his big league career, and he had some injuries. He had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. He had a shoulder injury. The White Sox weren't actually going to re-sign him in the offseason at least not at the price that he was listed at before. And he wound up signing a $3 million deal with them to pitch this year. And the other night, man, his stuff was so good. His fastball on the last batter of the game was right around 99 miles an hour. Now, you've thrown over 100 pitches at this time. I think he threw 114 in the no-hitter, Corey and you're uncorking a 99 I realize adrenaline's probably pumping at that point, but still, I don't care how much adrenaline is pumping through me after 114 pitches. It ain't coming anywhere close to 99, and that's the way it is for most major league pitchers too. Was it a strike? And it was a strike. Wow. And he he winds up pitching a no-hitter. Had to get a great defensive play from Jose Abreu in the ninth inning to preserve it, but he did. And would have had a perfect game except he uh, he hit the twenty the guy that would have been the twenty sixth out in a twenty seven out game the guy that would have been the twenty sixth out he had him zero and two in the count and he threw a slider that broke so much it hit the guy in the big toe
2: oh
4: and that was the only base runner that he allowed so he would have had a perfect game otherwise but a brilliant pitching performance by Carlos Rodon the White Sox still. Kind of scuffling a little bit. Uh, I don't think Tony LaRusso's bullpen has been very good. They weren't good last night. They gave a couple runs late. That kind of took the White Sox out of that game, and they lose 4-2. We mentioned a local girl for basketball. Let's mention a local guy for baseball, Sean Manea, who did his pitching at South Central High School before he transferred to Andrea and played for the legendary Dave Pishker over there. Uh, he is a pitcher for the Oakland A's, and he beat the Tigers last night by a count of 8 4. Tigers had swept Houston in a series down at Houston, but found it a little bit tougher going up against the Athletics. But nice to see a local guy doing well on the big league level. So Sean Manaya with the win last night.
2: You ever thrown a ball from 60 feet?
4: You ever yeah. done that? Yeah, I threw out the first pitch at a Nerd Aim game a couple of years ago. Uh did you fire it in or did it have a nice arc? On oh, it? I I threw a curveball. Yeah, I threw a curveball. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. All right. It had some break to it. All right. Catcher came out from behind the plate said, "That surprised me, Mr. Freeby." Did you uh were you warmed
2: up? Were you practicing before that happened or was that a cold arm just That's a
4: cold arm going to the mound. I really? wish I could have warmed up a little
2: bit. Wow. Uh, and I mean in the sense of like a couple days prior, you kind of... Oh,
4: I knew I was going to, but like day of. That was the first ball I had thrown, day of. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, survived it. Of course you did. High school baseball uh, starting to cook up. We mentioned South Central. They scored seven in the seventh last night to beat Michigan City Marquette's by account of 7-6. to six. Cam Wiltfawn with a home run for Elkhart, the first one in Lions history as they beat Goshen last night 10-3. John Glenn is playing well. They beat Penn the other day 13-7. Bryson Hanna, a homer and 5 RBI. Adams is still undefeated. They go to Tippecanoe Valley tonight, so the Eagles are playing very well, although I, I have to admit, there seems to be a little controversy. Oh! So last night uh the South Bend schools were going to honor Jackie Robinson. on Jackie, It was Jackie Robinson Day in the major leagues. If you noticed, all the players were wearing 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. And the South Bend schools were going to do that too. But they decided that because of windchill, it was too cold to play last night. And they postponed games. Adams was to play Mishawaka last night. And the people in Mishawaka, or at least on a couple of Twitter feeds, uh, seem to be bothered by the fact that here it was a sunny night. It was in the 40s.
2: Oh, it, it was biting cold.
4: I'm going to say it out loud. It was in the 40s, but it was biting cold because of the wind. A lot of wind. But there were, obviously, there were teams that played last night. South Central, Michigan City, Marquette, Elkhart Goshen, And Mishawaka won't play. Adams decided we're not playing, and, of course, Twitter has opinions on that. How's our pal uh, over at Riley? Vince D'Addario, uh, I checked with him earlier this week. It's a struggle right now. You, yeah. First of all, you have to remember for baseball, um, a lot of these kids, well, none of these kids played last year. And a lot of the kids in a town like South Bend may not have the resources like they do in other towns to go to hitting cages, go to the performance centers, whatever, work with personal trainers, etc. So, So Adams, as I mentioned, is undefeated. They seem to have the best talent in the city. Washington couldn't even form a baseball team this year. Clay is playing a schedule against primarily JV teams because their kids are so inexperienced. And Vince has a lot of kids that aren't that experienced on his Riley team as well. So it's a struggle right now for some of the urban schools in baseball. Now, why is that? I can't give you a ton of reasons why that is. Would have playing last year have helped? Well, certainly it would have. Would it have made a big difference? I'm not sure. So there are other cities, you know, Elkhart has more resources than South Bend. Let's face it. I mean, per capita, uh, I would say the wealth in Elkhart is probably better than it is in South Bend. So they seem to be playing better. But it's not to say that if you're in a poor urban city, you can't play good baseball either. So there's a lot that goes into it. But right now, the state of baseball in South Bend, outside of Adams, is not good.
2: Maybe uh, Coach Daddario could use a visit from motivational speaker Matt Foley to stop by, maybe fire up the kids. Well,
4: you're going to put on your sport coat and go out there? Maybe I will. After living in a van down by the river? Fat guy in a little coat. I'm ready. There you go. There was baseball at the Cove last night. Triple-A game between the White Sox. Actually, the, they refer to it as the White Sox alternates and the Cubs alternates because South Bend is the site for the alternate Team until the Triple A season gets going in the first week of May. And the White Sox alternates beat the Cubs alternates 3 2. Those same two teams will play tomorrow. I plan on being in attendance. I will file a report for you Monday of what it is like to sit at a minor league baseball game in South Bend these days. Okay. All right. So, Joe Hart, if you're listening, have your A game ready, baby. Let's talk about Notre Dame. Boy, hot team. I went and saw them Tuesday night. They have such a good approach at the plate right now, Corey. They they really do a good job. I think, you know, if a pitcher makes a mistake of making them pay for it, if a pitcher makes a good pitch trying to take the ball where it's pitched, hitting to the opposite field, doing some good things at the plate, And Alex Rayo came out of the bullpen, gave them four and a third innings of scoreless ball that helped them beat a good Central Michigan team the other night by a count of 8-4. to So Notre Dame, half game ahead of Louisville in the ACC standings as they begin the weekend, starts a three-game series with North Carolina State. The side story to this weekend is its father versus son. Link Jarrett is the head coach at Notre Dame. His son, JT, is the second baseman for North Carolina State. So it'll be interesting to see what develops out of that over the weekend. But, yeah, the Irish are playing really well. They're ranked number 7th. That's the first time a Notre Dame baseball team has been ranked in the top 10 in 15 years. Mm. They had a couple of good teams while I was doing the broadcast. 2013-2015 were standout seasons for the Irish. Uh this team that they have right now, and it's helped by the depth on the roster. You have 45-man roster instead of 35 this year. It's helped by that kind of depth, but this is the best Notre Dame baseball team I've seen in that 15-year span.
2: Follow-up comment. I'm looking forward to the report that you file for the uh, minor league game. I'm also looking forward to hearing your experience at the major league in a pandemic post-pandemic world as you attend a game on sunday
4: yeah sunday night so let's see well i i won't be here for a yak monday we'll file wednesday. all those reports on wednesday okay by the way let me tell you wednesday's dedication you're gonna love wednesday's dedication. episode 310 yes
2: oh wow okay it's not based on my weight is it
4: no okay good. no not at all all right hockey last night. The Red Wings deal a blow to the Blackhawks playoff hopes with a 4-1 win. If you're the Blackhawks, you have to beat teams like the Red Wings, whether you're playing them at home or on the road. It doesn't matter. Hawks let one get away last night. That could wind up hurting them in the end. And let's mention the passing of Purdue football legend Leroy Keys at the age of 73. Purdue's only consensus two-time All-American college football Hall of Famer Corey, he was one of the last of the great two-way players. He was a terrific running back at Purdue. He could throw touchdown passes. He could catch touchdown passes. He was also a defensive back for the Boilermakers and had four interceptions in his career. You just don't see players like that anymore. Yeah, you'd occasionally get Charles Woodson or Deion Sanders who would play some on both sides of the ball, but you certainly don't see running backs play defensive back anymore, and Leroy Keyes was an all-timer at Purdue. In 1987, they celebrated 100 years of Boilermaker football. He was voted as the greatest Boilermaker ever at that point. I'm sure that uh, people would probably vote for Drew Brees now, but Leroy Keyes is one of the all-timers at Purdue, and uh, his passing, uh, it's a sad note for the Boilermaker faithful.
2: Well, we've got a new segment we're going to take out for a test drive coming up. Of course, we've got overrated, underrated, and right after this, you'll hear from Matt Doherty in his new book, Rebound. That's next.
5: Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everline Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity. Opportunity employer Matt Doherty
2: rebound from pain to passion. Leadership lessons learned. Matt, great to see you via the Zoom. Great to hear your voice.
3: Yes, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Chuck. It's uh, I, I always love any connection to South Bend. I love my time at Notre Dame, and uh, it's impacted my life in a great way.
2: I dug out a photo that you autographed for me, and it was an old Sports Illustrated cover. And it was Worthy, Perkins, Smith, Doherty, and Jordan. What's the number one question you get asked about that lineup still to this day?
3: Did you think Michael Jordan was going to be this good? That's probably the number one question I get from Carolina, or just basketball fans. And uh, the answer I say is, you know, no. I I think that would have been disrespectful to Larry Bird and Jabbar and Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson and Bill Russell and all those guys. And I think also sometimes it's like the, the girl next door. You know, you don't think that she, you know, you, you just take what's for granted, what's closest to you. The best seem to be out of your area, your immediate area, physically, mentally, emotionally. The summer after Michael's freshman year, he did some amazing things against NBA players that were coming back to, to play pickup games in Chapel Hill. And that's when I said, okay, yeah, this is different. He's a little different. But still to say he would be the best ever wouldn't have been fair. I don't know anybody could have said that at that point.
5: Tell
2: me something about those five young men that we don't
3: know. If you're talking about the starting five in 1982 with Jimmy Black, or you're talking about the 84 team with Kenny Smith and Brad Daugherty, both teams extremely talented Everybody could pass, handle, and shoot think the game. And I think, though, the thing that I, I, after all these years, they're good guys. Like, I enjoy seeing them. I enjoy communicating with them. They're good guys. I think that's the thing that I am probably enjoy as much now. Because in my late 50s, you know, you go to reunions, you talk to them, you communicate with them, you laugh. You know, the relationships go deeper now than they did when you were in your teens or early twenties.
4: Matt, early in your coaching journey, you were an assistant to Roy Williams at Kansas. Obviously he has just retired recently. What made him so good?
3: I think he was so organized. He knew how to manage an, uh, an organization. He had job descriptions. He he was so disciplined. You know, he was going to call recruits. No matter what got in the way, you know, I mean, he'd stopped in the middle of a golf game and let foursomes go through because he told the recruit he was going to call him at a certain time. He was committed to doing every little thing to the best of his ability, control what he could control. And I think that he treated his players the right way. I think that he, he showed them great respect. And he got him to play hard.
2: Matt, you recently tweeted a a photo of the grotto here at Notre Dame, and you can follow Matt Doherty on Twitter. You said you spent a lot of time on your knees there. If you could sum up your short time, electric time, in my opinion, at Notre Dame, what would that be?
3: I'd say impactful. I'd like to think we made an impact. Uh, My staff and I, Fred Quarterbaum, Bob McKinnon, David Kason, Doug Wojcik, the players, the, the the secretaries. I like to think in a short period of time, we made an impact. You know, I look back and and that was my probably, it's hard to compare, but, you know, maybe my favorite year coaching basketball. I really enjoyed those young men. I enjoyed the Notre Dame community. I felt a fit. People say, do you ever regret leaving? I'm like, yeah, I, I regret leaving Notre Dame. Sure. You know, maybe I'd still be there. You know, m- maybe... Maybe now that Roy retired, I'd be more ready to take the job at North Carolina. where at 38, 39 years old with only one year of head coaching experience. And I really probably wasn't ready for that job.
4: You mentioned regretting leaving Notre Dame. When you look at the success Mike Bray has had here, does that add to the regrets? Or, or do you look at what he's done and say, well, I kind of set a little bit of groundwork for that?
3: Oh, I don't know. I mean, listen, Mike... Mike, whether I was there or not, Mike, you know, he was going to get it done. He's a a great guy, and he's been great to me. You know, he makes me feel welcome. The staff makes me feel welcome. I'm always invited to reunions, and that means a lot to me. Listen, Notre Dame was a sleeping giant, you know, when I I took over. It was a great stock that was beaten up. So whether it be me or Mike that was going to shine it up and take it to another level, you know, yeah, when you see the success he's had, you're like, well, that could have been me, right? That's human nature. And I think we need to fight those comparisons because that's the work of the devil. The devil's doing his work. And so it's like, yeah, man, Mike got an extension or he won the ACC championship. That could have been me. But we make decisions and you got to deal with the consequences. And And I'm happy for Mike and the staff and to see guys like Ryan Humphrey and Harold Swanigan still there. Karen Westlink in the office Skip Meyer just retired Tony, Tony uh, Rolinski those are great memories Matt I'm going to ask you to pick one word
2: and the one word's going to describe how you felt when North Carolina first came calling when the phone rings and hey this opportunity might be in front of you what's that one word oh
3: uh, numb w- numb why you know, when you're a little kid and you get that Christmas gift that you dreamed about and it's now under the tree, whether it be the 10-speed bike or the drum set or whatever it was, and you kind of go in a little bit of an outer body experience, you feel like tingles all over your body and you think you're in a dream. And and so when Coach Smith said to me, you're on a short list, you know, you're still You know, it's not a done deal here yet with Roy Williams. You're on a short list. I was like, wow. Like, I didn't see that coming. So I was just numbed by that comment. And then when I was being offered the job and flying home on a plane with my wife saying, you know, I could be the head coach at Notre Dame or I could be the head coach at North Carolina. You know, sometimes good options are difficult. But yeah, numb numb was probably like kind of floating like a dream. The book is called Rebound from Pain to Passion, Leadership, Lessons Learned."
2: I went through your Amazon reviews, Matt. I wanted to see what the people were saying. And here's one that caught my eye. Get this book just to read chapters 19 and 20. Matt uses unheard of, brutal honesty to vividly describe a gut-wrenching setback that nearly ruined him. What happened at North Carolina?
3: I don't think, a couple things. Managing change. You know, managing change is an art form. And everything that I did coming into Notre Dame was embraced by the administration and the fan base. And I did the similar things when I took over at North Carolina, which were needed, but weren't welcomed. Like bringing my staff, changing the culture, changing some of the physical layout of the, you know, cleaning up the office. And and I think, you know, I didn't have a Dean Smith, you know, that was looking over the program, casting that shadow. Digger Phelps was around, but he didn't get into my business. He didn't have an office in the building. Dean Smith was still very much present, and I didn't manage that relationship well, which I still beat myself up over. The other thing, Corey, people don't realize I took that job July 11th. Okay? Hubert Davis got his job. April 6th he's got a 3 month head start and he was an assistant for 9 years there so the transition was abrupt condensed you know i had a jam a year's worth of change in 7 months or 5 months of change into 2 months and so you're making decisions at a rapid pace under pressure and not all the decisions are well thought out i wanted to bring my staff and i told the ad If I can't bring my staff, it's okay, I'll stay at Notre Dame. But I'm not going to leave them out in the street, especially in July. So he said, no, it's okay, you bring your staff. Well, it really wasn't okay. I led them into a lion's den. Realized that now more than ever because of the transition with Hubert and seeing the fan base kind of clamoring to keep it in the family. So I displaced some former players that a lot of people didn't
4: like. You go back to the timing of that transition. And you mentioned this job is like a a dream come true. I think a lot of people at Notre Dame perfectly understood why you were leaving Notre Dame to go to your alma mater, this blue blood of college basketball, to go. But the whole thing with the staff, You put some of that on you, but isn't some of that on Carolina too? Shouldn't they have maybe given you some advice or at least talked about this as you were taking the job to begin with? Yes.
3: Yes, Chuck, 100%. And that's why I'm in the leadership business now. I'm an executive coach, and I talk about things like that is on them. I mean, I asked the right questions. You know, Coach Smith told me it's my program running how I see fit. Well, I wanted to bring my assistants. Dick Bedore, the AD, I said, hey, can I bring my staff with me? He said, yes. So, yes, you're right. It is on them. I asked the right questions. And I got the answers that I got. And I went with it. But it should have been managed differently. And, and you know, either I should have stayed at Notre Dame or I should have brought, been able to bring my staff with me and mix them with the staff that was in place already and expand our budget in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, you're right. And that's leadership. That that is, that leadership is the most, that's why I wrote the book. Leadership's the most important topic that's not formally taught. None of us took leadership classes in high school or college. You have to seek that out. And, And so many fundamental mistakes are made that could be avoided if we all took some leadership classes or, or worked with an executive coach. Yeah, that, that was a critical decision right there that really disturbed Coach Smith and a lot of the fan base. And it's tough to overcome. The only way to overcome that is massive success. Which
4: your first year you had and then the, the subsequent two years at Carolina, it did not go well. You had a, a huge transition to manage in year two where you had a lot of guys from that first-year team graduate, and all of a sudden the cupboard was left
3: bare. Yeah, and I, I explained that in the, in the interview process. I said, my first year will be good, my second we won't, and my third will be rebuilding. And that's exactly what happened. And I said, are you tough enough to get through this with me? And I said, yeah, well, you got to realize when you're taking a new job, you're being recruited too, mm-hmm. right? And so you got to listen to what's not being said. And that is hard for a 38, 39 year old guy who played at North Carolina is getting recruited by Dean Smith and Michael Jordan. Let's catch up with what Matt Doherty is doing now. Get us caught up, Matt. What's what's life like these days, Corey? I do a radio show on Thursdays, uh, sports for WFNZ in Charlotte at noon Eastern Time, and then at three I work with WBT, which is more general news. I've enjoyed that. I I like expressing my opinions, more of a conservative slant. And uh, I run a leadership practice. Uh, Vistage is uh, the leading executive coaching organization in the world. I'm a Vistage chair. Uh, Just getting launched my first group. I have eight CEOs, business owners that I work with on a one-to-one basis and also as a, a peer advisory group. I love doing that because that is my team. I am coaching a team. They're just not wearing shorts and dribbling basketballs, you know, but they have the same issues in their, in their organizations, you know, putting the right people in the right place, hiring, firing, sharing the ball, you know, team play, goals, accountability, same issues you have as a basketball coach. And so that's, that's fun for me. Just enjoying doing that and building my coaching practice. Who needs to read this book? Great question. Um, It sounds self-serving, but I think everybody, because everyone is either in a leadership position or will be in a leadership position, or a a leader who's been in a leadership position that has been fired. I I get random emails. I got an email from a coach who was in a position for 30 years, high school coach, new AD comes in, and he gets fired. We all deal with disappointment, adversity, failure, loss. And how do you deal with that? You get down on your knees in the grotto. You get down on the knees beside the side of the, your bed. And I think one of the things that I talk about in there is forgiveness. You know, if Jesus could forgive those that crucified him, you know, we can forgive those people that we think slighted us. And then we need to forgive ourselves, Corey. We need to forgive ourselves because sometimes we're our worst own worst enemy where we beat ourselves up, like me leaving Notre Dame. i I, I beat myself up over that for years. But then you know what? i got to be able to say, hey, you're human. Like a lot of people would make that decision. A lot of people would bring their staff. A lot of people. And I just got caught in a, a freaking bad deal. <laughs> it was a politically tough deal that that consumed me. And so now what do you do? Well, Robin Roberts of of Good Morning America has a great line. She said, make your mess your message. So that's what I've done with this book. Make my mess my message. And it resonates with a lot of people, whether it's a mother who's trying to lead the household and lead, you know, have a job, Uh, a single mom who's working or somebody who's an aspiring new head coach or aspiring CEO. I wanted to make it with some reference where they can pull it off the shelf and say, okay, I'm getting ready to take this new job. I need to thumb through these pages again.
4: Matt, I have one last question. Obviously you had four stops as a head coach, Nerdame, Dame, North Carolina, Florida Atlantic, SMU, and everybody evolves as they grow in their job. You've also had two children go into college athletics. At what stage of your coaching career in hindsight would you have said this is the Matt Doherty I want coaching my own children?
3: Yeah, great question. Oh, great question. Probably SMU, my last stop, you know, and 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 you know, if you're not learning, you're not growing, Roy Williams would say you might be on the right track, but if you're standing still, you're gonna get run over. So if you're not continuing continue to grow, learn and grow, and that's the motto of my, my private coaching practice, you're going to get run over. You know, you've got to adapt. Like for Mike Bray, coaching kids now is different than it was when he took over in 2000. Right. Recruiting's different. So if you're not learning and adapting as a coach, as a leader, you're going to get run over. That's a great question, but definitely my last years at SMU because I was more experienced. I was more mature. Hubert Davis is taking over this job at North Carolina at 50, at the age of 50. I took it over at 38, 39. I had one year as a head coach. Now Hubert has no head coaching experience, but he's been an assistant in that program for nine years. So the transition is a lot smoother. Yeah. So good question, Chuck. If the phone rang, Matt, would you coach again? Oh, gosh. Coaching is my drug. I'm an addict. Okay. I'm in rehab right now. But if I get a sniff of it, yeah, it's hard to say no, man. I mean, and, and, and I, I purposely March is the worst month for me emotionally because March madness, it just stirs up so many emotions. You know, I miss it and I'm like, you know, I should be there. I should be in it. So then what I have to do is call a couple of buddies in the business, say, how is it? They're like, Oh, it's awful. So it's it's the worst it's ever <laughs> been. I'm like, tell me more. They're like, you don't want to know. I was like, I'm thinking about getting back. They're like, no, you don't want to do that. Don't, I'll, I'll trade places with you. And I hang up I'm like, okay, I needed that. Well, especially with the transfer rule that just got passed. Now it's free agency for everybody. Oh my gosh. It is, it is c- coaches are control freaks, right? And now more than ever, you can't control a darn thing. You wake up in the morning, you don't know who's on your roster. So, yeah, would I do a coach again? It would have to be a a really good situation for me. You know, I could be an assistant for somebody that, you know, that I like and respect, or a head coach at a certain program. It doesn't have to be the the highest levels, you know, like, just you want to be around kids like I had at Notre Dame. Good kids that competed, that would go on and and be really productive people in the in the community.
2: The book is called "Rebound: From Pain to Passion." Leadership lessons learned. Matt Doherty. It is great to see you. Catch up with you. All right, thanks, guys.
3: All right, thank you so much for having me on. You Appreciate got it. Ya. Thanks, Matt. Go Irish. Go Irish. Thank you.
5: Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their
3: team. They're hiring immediately for
5: skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everly Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employee
4: So what kind of questions do you have after hearing that Matt Doherty interview?
2: There was something that he said about uh, when he was talking to us about that North Carolina job, and he said, you know, I took that job in July. What am I missing there about that comment?
4: So the college basketball season typically ends in March for most, most teams. The Final Four extends into April typically. And if you're taking over a program... You would like to take it over as soon as possible. Dean Smith didn't make his retirement decision until the summer. Ideally, Dean Smith would have known, this is my last season. He would have bowed out, I don't know, let's say March, Carolina was good in those days, so let's say March 24th he decides. to. And as the new coach, you'd love to take over March 25th or March 26th have as much time as you can to implement what you want to do before the season starts. So when he was talking about trying to cram five months into two, that's what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So as a new coach, you want as much time to make that transition as possible. Hit the ground running early. Right, because that gives you more time to get things done as opposed to, I got this job in July – I'm moving my family, I'm moving my staff, I'm meeting new people, and oh, by the way, we're going to start practices in September. And
2: if you're really paying attention to that conversation, little things like having to clean the facility and the offices, like he showed up and it was...
4: Well, no, when when he says clean, he means he got personnel out of there that he didn't want. Oh, so it wasn't it's like... Not, he's not talking about physically vacuuming or anything like that there was a turnover turnover in personnel
2: okay yeah i'm i'm kind of curious to read this book especially chapters 19 and 20 apparently um he seemed to elevate his voice when he talked about those moments well
4: you know one thing i didn't really get a chance to ask him about was when he was at smu he taught a class on business failure based on the model that he had at North Carolina. Interesting. So he has been very, almost brutally honest about what he did wrong and what happened wrong in the situation at North Carolina to set him up for failure. Mm. And I think one thing that you probably got out of that interview is there were two sides to that too. I mean, Carolina didn't help him. And he didn't help himself.
2: Yeah. When you're told, yeah, bring your staff, but you actually mean, no, don't bring your staff. Right. Yeah. Or at least
4: meld them with people that are here.
2: Something happened this week, uh, and I was test driving this on Chuck without him knowing. And I was gauging his responses on, oh, this might be something. This is uh, very small and petite, but I'd like to try a segment called, Did You Know?, Okay. There's a couple things that came up this week on our morning show in the other room, and I'd throw them at Chuck, and the response was like, oh, wow. I thought that might be a fun fact. Here's the three <laughs> for this week for Did You Know. In uh, at number one, you already know this. R&B legend Al Green had a birthday this week. Legend, 21 Grammy nominations, 11 actual trophies, lifetime achievement, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. His fam- he was born in the South, family moved to Grand Rapids. His dad was ultra-religious and kicked him out of the house when he caught him listening to the music of Jackie Wilson.
4: Which is unbelievable because Jackie Wilson, in my mind, is one of the more upbeat artists of that era.
2: Yeah. And probably setting Al up for a future, like, hey, I want to do what that guy does. Yeah. Speaking of, I want to do what that guy does. On this day in history in 1954, in Dallas, Texas, another fantastic Elvis Presley concert happening, there's a young man in the audience that points to the stage and says, I want to do that. And he ends up having a pretty decent career. That young man's name, Roy Orbison.
4: Now, when did Roy Orbison lose his eyesight?
2: I haven't done my homework on that yet, but this kind of... For me, opens up, I need to learn more about Roy's deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he was fully blind. I think he just had himself one heck of a prescription. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't think he was, I don't think,
4: was, I don't know. That's what I'm, you're Mr. Music. Boy, Chuck. If, If we did Music Yak, the roles would be reversed here. Boy,
2: I wonder if all this time he's been blind and I thought, oh, those are just thick glasses. I may have to do my homework. And finally, the group Steely Dan. You love you some Steely Dan. I do love me some Steely Dan. You put on some of those songs. A-19. It's go time. Now we don't talk at all. The original drummer for Steely Dan was, get this, Chevy Chase.
4: You mean the guy in the National Lampoon Vacation movies?
2: Yes. The guys went to college together. They were a jazz trio. Apparently Chevy's quite the jazz drummer. They graduated. They said, man, let's... Let's take a stab at this. Chevy said, "No, nah, I want to be an actor and a writer." Which, by the way, I also learned. Chevy was on Saturday Night Live for one season and one day. Really? He was the head writer, and think of all of those classic sketches that one season. In one he season. made a lot of news. He's the Weekend Update guy. He's, He's also Land Shark Gerald Ford. All that stuff is one season. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that? No, I thought it. I thought he was two seasons. Yeah. I thought that he showed up for the first day of the second season and went, eh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. And the contract was up anyway, so he's like, eh, on to the next
4: thing. And he managed to parlay that one season into <laughs> a very good career. Legendary. Leg- Chevy Chase, overrated, underrated. Oh, well, there you go. We have something. I would say overrated.
2: I would, too, because after I heard that podcast, I Googled the career. Man, more stinkers yeah. than hits.
4: And I've heard he's very difficult to work yeah, with. Yeah, he's a handful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I uh, he kind of disappears early 80s in movie world, and really, there's just nothing.
4: He came back. He had a little stint on community. Yeah. And he was okay there. But he's not, he's not my cup of tea.
2: What I, about his three-story arc on brothers and sisters? Again, <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I'm going to go overrated as well. He was supposed to be a Ghostbuster, but timing and schedule did not have allowed him to be one.
4: Well, we might as well follow up. We, see, we can tie this in with overrated, underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Green. Overrated, Underrated. Yeah. Underrated. Severely
2: underrated. Why Even even though the trophies and the nominations, I just think, uh, you know, you know, if you're in a music store, if you ever been one, and you see that iconic album cover of him standing there, that's one of those ones you should probably just buy just to have in the collection. Okay. But I would say he's underrated. I think he needs to be mentioned more in the great singers of our lifetime.
4: Well, you've got a lot to listen to here, kids, on this edition of the Act. Oh,
2: this is an award winner, Chuck Freebie. Is it? In my mind...
4: Well, that, you know, I guess because we don't really file shows for awards. but
2: those cost money. You're on Twitter, right?
4: <laughs> I am. <laughs> and we don't like to spend money.
2: <laughs> at 46 Sports. Me too. And my name is Corey. Of course, you can follow the Yak at SportsYak with two
4: Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Edgar Martinez. Oh, you're so much better than Carmelo was.
0: We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta
5: run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.
2: Sports Yak Podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. Located only 24 minutes from Goshen, 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit looktrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer.